0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn News.
1: One day I'm walking across class, and the the dean of the business school just walks up to me, starts pounding me in the chest, literally. I'll never forget I don't know how you did it. You've got to go back into undergrad. <laughs> You're not an MBA student.
2: Hey, welcome to The Path. I'm Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top leaders to talk about the decisions that shaped their unique careers and how these valuable lessons can help you forward your own path. Today, I'm talking with billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban. Before Shark Tank and the Dallas Mavericks, Mark was a scrappy college student and self-taught tech guy. He followed his curiosity across states and industries until he struck gold and co-founded Broadcast.com, a pioneer in the streaming industry. Here's how Mark Cuban paved his path. Mark, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm really excited. We see you on Shark Tank. We see you uh, at the Maz Games. And so... It's amazing to see what you've done, but I want to go way, way back in time to maybe, you know, young Mark Cuban as a kid and your experience growing up and, and maybe that very first time you realized or had an idea in your head of what you wanted to be when you grew up.
1: Oh my goodness. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, in the South Hills. I was always, as long as I can remember, that the hustler in the class. You know, I was my, my parents were blue collar. My dad did upholstery on cars. Mom did odd jobs. Neither went to college. So, you know, the, the message of my house was always, if you want to buy something, you got to earn it. I remember being 9 and 10 and going to the park at the, the bottom of the hill where I lived and repackaging baseball cards. You know, it was the little things that in hindsight really taught me a lot. And I think the number one thing that, that really stuck with me, and I try to reiterate to everybody and anybody when I, when I speak to potential entrepreneurs, is I learned how to sell. You know, when you're sitting there and you're trying to sell baseball cards or garbage bags door to door, you realize you have to know what your product is and you have to know what the value proposition is to the person you're selling to. And that's a skill set that applies to every company and every entrepreneur, but not everybody
2: realizes that. I can see a, a young Mark Cuban uh, with all these entrepreneurial businesses rolling around. You know, something I found fascinating about your path is that you often hear about entrepreneurs who, maybe drop out of college early. But in your case, you actually started college early. What, what was your kind of thinking then? And why, why college at all, I guess? Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: well, two questions there. Why college at all? I'm a huge believer in college. I mean, learning how to learn, networking, being responsible for something on your own for the first time, to me, those things are huge. And so, but, you know, I kind of did things back-ass half because I wanted to, to challenge myself. Um, I was a junior in high school and they wouldn't let me take the one business economics class because that was a senior class. And I thought that was just the most ridiculous thing in the world. And so I, the university of Pittsburgh didn't have any business classes, but I'm like, I'm just going to show you how stupid this is. So I'm going to take a couple classes at Pitt. And then I decided, well, if I could do this, I'm just not going to go back to my senior year in high school. So I dropped out of high school. Went to the University of Pittsburgh. Transferred my credits back from Pitt to my high school so I could graduate with my high school class. And then, because Pitt didn't have an undergraduate business school, I transferred to Indiana University.
2: I love that. So you know, and learning to learn the the networking aspect where college can be so valuable. Were you working during college at all, or starting things outside, oh, yeah. or what was the? Oh yeah. yeah.
1: I had all kinds of hustle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that hustle attitude that I told you about at nine and 10 did go away at 18. That's for damn sure. Um, so I had to pay for most of my own college and I got the student loans and everything like everybody else. But I did every odd job that you could imagine. I gave disco lessons, which best job I've ever had, going to sorority houses, getting paid $25 an hour to teach girls how to line dance. And when their parents came in for parents weekend, it was the best. I mean, if there's any sororities out there who want to hire me now, I still got my mood. But yeah, I did a lot of party promotions. And so we would throw parties on our dorm floor and charge a couple bucks. And so just doing those things all throughout. And then by the time I got to my senior year, I literally um, partnered with my buddy, Evan Williams, took my student loan money and opened up a bar on campus called Motley's Pub. And that was my senior year project and paid for my senior year college.
2: Wow. Was that, and then did that become your first job out of college or what happened with no, that? No, no, no. Actually, we got busted for underage
1: drinking. And so I left there and I went to Pittsburgh first and worked at Mellon Bank. And see, I'm, I left out one important piece. So when I got to Bloomington, this was back when registration wasn't fully online. And so I was going to sign up for freshman classes and I was, the MBA school had their class registration the same day in the same building. And so I just walked over a few lines and stood in line for um, graduate level statistics, K501. And I signed up thinking, OK, if I can pass this, this is going to be the best because, you know, it's an MBA level class and I'm going to have all the confidence in the world as, a, as effectively still a freshman um, at IU. So I took the class and got an A in it. Once I got into that class and got an A, they didn't realize I wasn't supposed to be in the MBA program. And so I just kept on taking more classes. And so by the time I was a junior, I had most of my MBA done, but I wasn't paying for MBA fees or anything. And so one day I'm walking across class and the, the dean of the business school just walks up to me, and starts pounding me in the chest. Literally, I'll never forget. I don't know how you did it. You've got to go back into undergrad. <laughs> You're not an MBA student. But then when I graduated, and I started applying for jobs. Mellon Bank thought I had my MBA. So, you know. I got this job with them, and um, my job was to help Mellon Bank make more money. When I got there, you know, I, I would do things like send articles to the CEO, and you know, hey, this might help. And the CEO loved this, like this, you know, this young kid taking initiative. And my boss and everybody else around me hated it. I would do these things called the Rookie Club, right, where I would bring in a senior VP. We all go to a bar and talk about it. I started, I created my own newsletter, just taking all these initiatives, and they just hated it. And so I'm like, I'm done with that. And then just headed down to Dallas because I had a bunch of friends down there.
2: So I want to jump in here to make sure you caught that. Mark quit his job at the bank after just nine months because they didn't like the initiative he was taking. There's an important lesson here. Not everyone will appreciate your new ideas, but you should keep coming up with them anyway. Keep taking initiative. Once you make it a habit, you'll be ready to think big when the opportunity presents itself. And that's exactly what happened to Mark when he moved to Dallas and pivoted from finance into software sales at a company called Your Business Software.
1: So I was working for Your Business Software and I got fired. At the time, I was living six guys in a three-bedroom apartment, sleeping on the floor. And I had a chance to earn a big commission, which would allow me to move out of the hellhole that I was living in. And um, I went to my boss and said, look, I've got a chance to close this deal but normally I have to sweep the floor and open up the store and all the things that a retail store entails. And he was like, no, I need you in the store. I'm like, Michael, I've got it all covered. And I went out, made the executive decision to go out and pick up the check. And when I got back, he fired me. Um, and so that led to me saying, OK, I'm a lousy employee. This is, you know, not the first time that my employer didn't like the way I, I approach things. It, it's time.
2: Mark decided to take what he learned and sell software on his own. He started with just one client, someone he met back at Your Business Software. The client was looking for help with a new accounting system, and Mark happened to have recently taught himself how to use that particular software.
1: I was like, look, I have no money, nothing. Would you be willing to put up the $500 I'll sell this to you for, and that'll allow me to buy the software and give me you know, enough money to live a couple of weeks? And um, if it doesn't work, I'll sweep your floor and you know, wash your car and walk your dog. And they said, yes. And that led you know, from there to the getting a referral to another and another and another. And went seven years without a vacation and it was called Micro Solutions. We sold it to H&R Block. That was my big score at the time. 2 million went to me, 2 million went to um, other partners that it brought in and 1 million went to employees.
2: You have this, you have this score and sometimes entrepreneurs have that score and, and they're out, but obviously you weren't done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
1: I was retired at the time. I literally thought I was going to retire. Like I had read this book when I was in college, it's called how to retire um, by the age of 35. And that was my dream. That was my North star. Basically what it said was live like a student and you can retire. And that was what I was going to do. And literally I took my $2 million and I went, I had a buddy who went to work at Goldman Sachs. And I said, I want you to invest like I'm 60 years old because I want to live off of this forever. And you know, he kind of laughed at me and I bought a lifetime pass in American Airlines and just traveled and partying and it took time off. But here's what happened. That really was an inflection point that was really interesting is my broker was like, you know, the analyst at Goldman have all these questions for you. Would you mind answering them? And so I would answer questions and then I'd see them go on CNBC or whatever it was called at the time. And the price of the stock would move. But I'm like to my broker, what's going on here? He's like, you know more than they do. And he's like, you should start not investing like a 60-year-old, but you should start investing in these companies that you think are doing well or not short the ones not doing well. And I started to kill it. I just destroyed it. I took my $2 million and, you know, over the next five years, that was 20-something. And, you know, they started a, a hedge fund based off of my trading and sold out within nine months. It was like, it was
2: insane. Mark's tenacity has really paid off. He's constantly learning about the industries around him, so he ends up making the right bets again and again. In the mid-1990s, he bets big on a new idea. Broadcast.com. Talk to us about the, I mean, the genesis of the idea maybe or what eventually leads to to Broadcast. So, like I said, I was
1: living the high life, right? I was just loving life. I had money. Um, And Todd Wagner and I, Um, went to college together in indiana so we would get together for lunch every now and then or drink and just shoot the shit and um we were at california pizza kitchen and he had been talking to this other guy uh, about somebody who had a pager system that you know if you could get it to get audio signals then you could listen to sporting events and i was like no that's insane right that's ridiculous. So there's this new thing called the internet. This is late 94, early 95, new thing called the internet. Let me figure it out. We called it internet broadcasting. Other people called it netcasting, but we were the first to do any of that. And it just blew up, you know, literally, I mean, one day we had the, the first week we had 10 users, then the next week, a hundred, then a thousand, then 10,000, and it was just loose. And then, you know, that was the start of the streaming industry.
2: Once again, Mark's entrepreneurial mindset led him to one of the first groundbreaking moments in modern tech. But then in 1999, Mark made the decision to sell Broadcast.com to Yahoo for $5.7 billion in stock.
1: So my whole thing always, my entire life has been time. I, You know, money obviously is important and money can buy you time, but the asset I, I valued the highest was time. And, Being able to sell for that kind of money, you know, that's buying time, that's buying freedom, not just for me, but for multiple generations of kids I hadn't had yet, (laughs) you know? When I was in my 20s and 30s and early to mid 40s, I had no work-life balance. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, I'm just telling you that's the way it was for me. And so, as much as I love the company and as much as I think, you know, we were Pandora, Spotify, everything back then, YouTube, It was just, I couldn't pass up that freedom.
2: Mark's success allowed him to take some time off and focus on priorities outside of work. He married his longtime girlfriend and started a family. He also bought and transformed the Dallas Mavericks into one of the most valuable franchises in sports. He started an entertainment company, became a shark on Shark Tank, and most recently started a pharmaceutical company called Cost Plus Drugs. At least for me, one of the most, you know, inspiring things that I've seen someone like you do in a while is kind of the entry into the pharmacy space. And again, man, you can do anything in the world. What, what led you, like what was going through your mind when you decided to go down that path?
1: When, when you read and hear stories about people who have to choose between rent or food and rationing medication, that just sits wrong with everybody. And it took us Three years plus um, effectively to be able to launch costplusdrugs.com. But in getting there, you know, we had to ask the fundamental question of what business are we in? And our business was going to be the, to, to do our best to be the low cost provider of every medication that we're allowed to sell. You know, when you can have an impact like that, why wouldn't you go all in?
2: Uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I believe that companies that can sit at the intersection of doing good for the world and doing well in business, I think you're going to have a real competitive advantage moving forward.
1: It's the history of LinkedIn, right? How do you, you know, build a network at work? Everybody benefits. You know, that that's the whole idea. And it's the same with cost plus drives.
2: Yeah. And then the last thing, which I, which I ask everyone, what's the best piece of career advice that you have? And there's been a ton of amazing nuggets throughout this conversation already. But how do you answer that when someone comes to you and sees, you know, where you are and, and wants to know what they should be doing in their career?
1: There's some basic tenets, I think, that employees or entrepreneurs need to have. Number one, wherever you're working, it's the first time after college or school where you're getting paid to learn as opposed to paying to learn. So look at it that way, right? You're, you're there to learn. You're there to, you know, to be curious. I think what I do that it probably possibly separates me is I'm um, infinitely curious. There's nothing I'm not interested in learning about. So, you know, number one is, you know, learn. Number two, reduce the stress of people around you. If you're a stress reducer, everybody wants you. So there's always going to be something for you to do. Number three, learn how to sell. But most importantly, I'll go back to you're a free agent. You don't have to have all the answers. It's not the end all be all. And if you're curious, if you're learning, if you're agile, you'll go to the next job or start your next company and figure out where to go. And that'll lead you to the next. And eventually you'll get where you need to go. Let me, let me also say the definition of success. Success isn't necessarily how much money do you have. Success is just setting a goal and being able to wake up every morning feeling really good about what you've accomplished. If you can wake up every morning smiling and excited about the day, you're a success.
2: Here's what stood out to me about Mark's story. Throughout his entire career, Mark created opportunities for himself. Whether it was repackaging and selling baseball cards, opening a bar in college, or teaching himself how to use and sell software. In fact, he rarely had a conventional job. Instead of a corporate ladder, Mark let his curiosity and ambition pave his path. He assumed there was always more to learn, and he got curious about how he could use new technology to his advantage. So, how can you adopt Mark's mindset in your own career? We've got some tips for you after the break.
0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days.
2: We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Beret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Welcome back to The Path. Before the break, we heard Mark Cuban's incredible journey from young entrepreneur to one of the most influential businessmen of our time. One of the defining traits of Mark's career is that he learned how to make the right bets at the right times. He was a risk taker, a confident salesperson, and an insatiable learner. So how can you apply Mark's strategy to your own career? We've got some advice for you from Charlene Lee. Charlene is an expert on digital transformation and leadership, and she's the author of six books, including the New York Times bestseller, Open Leadership. Here's Charlene.
0: The thing that struck me about Mark's story is that he was never satisfied with the way things were. So you could think about it as he was the agitator, the risk taker, but he was always curious about how things could be done differently. And I think he had this sense of agency. Nobody gave it to him. Nobody was empowering him. He came in absolutely believing in his own agency and his own power. It it can sometimes feel really hard to take initiatives, especially if your entire life, your career has been trained, like do your job, you know, stay inside that box. And so I would encourage you to look around your communities, around your office, the street that you're walking on, and say, what needs to change here? Because that's where initiatives come from. And and also this is what I think leaders do. Leadership isn't a title that's given to you. Leadership is a mindset that says, I think something needs to change. And so you take the initiative, you step into the void to make that change happen. That's what I think is the most important thing for young people in their careers, is to say, what do I see? And do I have the courage to stand up and to share that with the world?
2: Take initiative. Start with something easy. Look for those moments to make small changes and take action. And then keep pushing yourself. Eventually, every action becomes bigger. And before you even know it, Taking risks and taking charge becomes second nature. But let's take a step back. Part of Mark's genius is noticing the opportunity to begin with. So how do you get into that
0: mindset? If you look at what Mark did to anticipate the huge transformation that the internet was going to do, it was not rocket science to say this was going to be really big. But then he did the hard work and really dug in and said, well, where are the opportunities going to be? The question to ask yourself to dig into this is, What small experiment could I run? What could I try to just get my hands a little bit dirtier into the space to try to understand what experiment could I run? And I think this is the curiosity. This is how you put the curiosity into action. What could I do to play with this? What thing could I create? What problem could I solve? And the challenge is to do this every single day to run an experiment every single day.
2: So the theme here is practice. Practice taking initiative and practice putting your ideas to work. It'll help you find opportunities or at least new skills. Right now, I can think of a bunch of areas of opportunity to learn new skills. Gen AI, content creation, communication, but it all starts with curiosity, which Charlene has one more tip on.
0: Oftentimes we think about being curious or innovative uh, as synonymous with being creative. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I say like, well, I'm not a very creative person. I'm not an artist. I don't really write. And you know, what how, What am I creating? And I think of creativity as just making something new. And it could be just taking two things and putting them together in a different way. It's going to be an experiment. You will grow from that experiment and you will not be the same person as where you started. And that's the key. Because you're being in a different place, you will look at the world from a different perspective. And that different perspective will give you uh, so many different starting points, again, to take it to the next step that you wanna take. But you have to take that first step. And rather than count yourself out as saying, I can't do this, I'm not creative, I'm not innovative, I'm not curious, just take that first step.
2: So here's my takeaway. To be a part of something new and original, You need to be endlessly curious. And curiosity takes practice and a willingness to experiment. So don't be afraid to try something new. I promise no one started off as an expert in anything. I mean, when I started my first business, a website to help students find roommates, the internet was brand new and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. But I learned along the way and it ended up being the start of a whole new career journey for me. Like Charlene says, to get started, find small opportunities for change and practice taking action. Always keep learning and like Mark, ask yourself, how will this change the future? And what role can I play in it? You don't have to know everything to get started. Just believe in yourself and take that first step. Follow The Path for more episodes weekly and join the conversation about each episode on linkedin.com slash the path. The Path is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Ava Atmetbegi, Steven Valdivia, and Rachel Wong. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop, and Dan Roth is our editor-in-chief. Thanks to Tatiana de Almeida, Caroline Gaffney, and Valerie Berry. And a special thank you to Charlene Lee for sharing her thoughts with us. To hear more from Charlene, subscribe to her newsletter, Leading Disruption, or check out her LinkedIn learning courses. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan Roslansky.